Welcome to the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast, also known as the SASPod. I am Lalita Duperon, Associate Director in the Center for South Asia. All our podcasts and information about the center are available at southasia.stanford.edu. Saspod. Before I introduce our guests, I just want to apologize. I'm not having a good day. I'm sick. My voice will sound croaky and weird. So I just want to give special thanks to Deepa for Dayquil and Mudit for Lemsip. Uh, you are seeing me through this day. Thank you so much on behalf of the Saspod and thank you to our audience for bearing with um, me kind of sniffling my way through the recording. I did not want to cancel because we're having such a fantastic recording today with three student groups on the podcast. Uh, and as you all know, if you work with students, getting three students in one room together is not the easiest of things, especially on a Friday afternoon, which is when we're recording. So I'm so grateful for Joyce Singh, who represents the Stanford Bangra group, Anusha Dwarkanath, who represents Nupur Classical Dance Group, and Akriti Lakshmanan, who represents Rakapella. And I'm going to start by asking you all to introduce yourself. Anusha, why don't we start with you? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Anusha. I use she, her pronouns. Today I'm representing Stanford Nupur, of which I'm the president and captain this year. Um, so we're Stanford University's premier Indian classical dance team, and this year we're also competitive. What we do is we try to promote and celebrate South Asian culture through dance, and we blend various styles of dance from across India, so Bharatanatyam, Kathak, Kuchipudi, Mohiniyattam, and we also add some of our own flair. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to be here today and talk about um, all things South Asia. When you're not dancing, Anusha, what are you doing at Stanford? Um, I'm an economics major, so I'm doing a lot of math and econ. Um, I'm also thinking of being a human rights minor and a data science minor, so I'm doing lots of things in the social science space. Um, I'm, I really love to read. Right now, I'm, I'm reading a book by Dina Nayeri. It's about what immigrants never tell you. Mm. I don't remember the title off the top of my head, but that's the subtitle, yep. which really caught my eye. I also work in the Office of Inclusion, Belonging, and Intergroup Communication. So we do a lot of diversity work, which I think is really cool. Um, and I'm also doing some econ research. So Amazing. Great. I'm so glad you're also making time to dance and you make time to be on the podcast. Thank you, Anusha, and welcome. Josh, let's, uh, let's hear about the Bangra Group and what you do at Stanford. Sure, absolutely. Um, hi guys, my name is uh, Josh Singh, uh, originally from Bay Area, California, and current two-time captain of uh, Stanford Bhangra. Um, Stanford Bhangra is a, a group that is not only dance, but cultural as well. And so um, we are a way of bringing Punjabi culture to campus. Um, and basically, we also compete in different co competitions and things like that. Uh, and 
we have so many different types of Pangra that exist in it, like Mirza, Damal, Jumwet. We use uh, different props, like Saps, they're also called Shikke or like Kunde, things like that. Um, and it's just like, at the end of the year, we have a couple competitions where we have uh, competed for like eight to nine minutes of straight Pangra dancing. We also have on-campus performances. We also have cultural um ways of understanding culturally what we're doing in, in our in our group but also uh among on campus at large um and so yeah that's that's really what Stanford Pongra does it's a it's a combination of that dance and that culture Mm what about when you're studying and um, I'm, I'm sure you have no time for that but tell us what you what you do um this week less than most because we have a competition coming up but Uh, usually, um, so I'm a, a computer science major. I uh, finished my undergrad here and I'm doing my master's here as well. Um, and so that that takes up a good amount of time. I love playing basketball uh, and lifting. When I do have extra time, I've stopped doing those a lot because of Pangra, but it'll come back, hopefully. For sure. And by the way, it's super high energy, right? So it kind of feels like all of that's combined. Uh, It is. anyway. So now I get more and more tired the more I do Pangra. I don't know how it happens, but I my my... My uh, cardio goes down as I'm doing this, which is surprising. But um, I also uh, play a lot of musical instruments and I sing. So um, Wow. maybe it's South Asian. So I play like Dilruba. I can mess around on harmonium. I wouldn't say I'm great at playing harmonium, but um, I can hit a tabla. Hit a tabla <laughs> like not nothing, anything crazy, but I've been learning um, classical Indian music for, for a couple of years, for 11 years now. So. Fantastic. Oh my God. Just uh, Stanford students never see. So absolutely. You make, you make everybody who's listening feel like they should be doing more with their days. Um, Akriti, tell us about Rakapella and about yourself. Yeah, sure. So my name is Akriti, um, and I'm currently the president of Stanford Ragapella. So Ragapella is like a South Asian fusion acapella group, which means that we sing music all the way from like Indian classical music, like think Hindustani or Carnatic music, all the way to like American pop. And I think it's a really amazing blend of all different types of music in within South Asia and within kind of like American music. Um, and it's been really cool to see people come together and sing together. So everything we sing is stuff that we've written ourselves, arrangement that we've written ourselves. Um, and it's super rewarding to be able to sing as part of this group. And it's everything a cappella, so there's no musical instruments, is that correct? Yep, no musical instruments. The only musical instrument we have is a pitch pipe that we play at the very beginning that'll give us a note and then we all align to that note and then we start singing. Um, who who doesn't know about the pitch pipe since uh, since watching um <laughs> oh now i'm blanking on the name of those movies help pitch me perfect out here pitch perfect there you go thank you yes it's exactly <laughs> that vibe so um can you tell a little bit about how akriti how um Rockapella was formed and um how do you know how it has evolved over time has it always been Uh, a kind of a maybe it was more South Asian once upon a time and now it's more fusiony or can you speak a little bit uh, to that Yeah, of course. Uh, Rockapella was founded in 2002. So basically, there was a group of friends who also had a shared love for music, specifically South Asian music. And I think a few of these friends were already in other acapella teams on campus, but they found this like 
shared interest in South Asian music specifically. And there wasn't really a place to kind of explore that interest at that point in time. So they came together, they held auditions, and they created Ragapella in 2002. Um, but something interesting about Ragapella is it was an all-male group until around 2016. Oh, wow. uh, so women couldn't audition for the group. And it was kind of like the mendicants, but Indian style. Uh, or South Asian style, I would say. In 2016, the group reformed and we were converted into a co-ed group. And that's what we are today. Wow, that's amazing. That is so recent. That's that's yeah, incredible. Wow. Wow. Good for whoever led that, uh, the revolt against that. Amazing. <laughs> so glad to hear it. Um, Josh, can you, uh, you, you already referred that you're, you do dance, but you're also doing cultural things. You're focusing on Punjabi culture. I wonder if you can speak a little bit to how you, how you see Punjabi culture and whether you, um, as we know, Punjab crosses across the, the, the 1947 border. Um, so when you say Punjab, can you speak a little bit more about what Punjabi culture means to you and, and how, what are some of the key cultural aspects that you highlight? Absolutely. Um, so just a little bit of background as as Punjab in the nineteen forty seven partition got split in uh, two thirds went to Pakistan and one third went to India. And after that partition even occurred, there was two vats of Punjab. And so uh, Himachal Pradesh and Haryana also broke off from Punjab, I think, in 1965 was one of the years. Uh, in 1956 is when uh, don't quote me on the 1950s. <laughs> Himachal Pradesh and Haryana both broke off from Punjab. So Punjab from a hundred years ago is about one, uh, what is the numbers on that? One third of one third. So <laughs> one sixth. <laughs> yes. One. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Somewhere. One ninth. Uh, one ninth. Yes. We have, uh, we have an econ major in the house, people. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Anusha. You win. <laughs> one uh, ninth. Here we go. Yes. But Punjabi culture as it stands is, is, is a very, very strong culture. Um, so there's, there's a couple of things that come to mind when I first think of Punjabi culture. One is, I think a lot of people conflate Punjabi and Sikh culture. And mm. so Sikhism Punjabi is uh, at like ethnicity or a culture in that way. Uh, they are two separate things, but a lot of current day Punjab is Sikh. So about 59% of current day Punjab is Sikh. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing that comes to me when Punjab culture, like I'll go traveling around internationally and they'll see my, my dasar, my, my bug, my turban. That is a, a symbol of my Sikh faith, which the way I, the way I have it is a Sikh faith. Although a lot of people in South Asia wear turbans um, and they go balli balli, which is different, right? Balli balli is Punjabi culture. And the way I, reason I wear my turban is a Sikh tradition, Sikh culture. But in a lot of different ways, what we try to do in our Pangra team is try to raise awareness within our team specifically, because they're doing that. It, it is because of those Punjabi people that we're able to do it, but also around in our broader campus. Um, the biggest thing is that like the actual Punjabi moves, the, the Pangra moves come from Punjabi culture, right? Like fasla means wheat, right? Like we are actually doing things that... Um, farmers used to do so like Pangra came about because farmers are uh, enjoying their time they're dancing they're having a good time after hard harvest it also came about because of um, 
some amount of being warriors. People used to fight and they used to fight with uh, different things. And so all these different moves come from so many different facets of Punjabi culture. And in essence, we've put it together and now we have this dance, but we can never forget where it comes from and the people that gave it to us, even modern day. So when we look at things like the farmers protests that happened in 2020, 2021, we raised awareness about that on campus and among our group. Uh, before we did one of our our dance performances, we raised like boards and we talked about it. We were like, hey, this is the largest human protest in history. Mm. Largest protest. I don't know if animal protests exist, but largest <laughs> protest in history. Like, where is our, why are we talking about this? Why are we thinking about it? So. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And can I just, um, Akriti spoke so beautifully about the kind of the gender dynamic that changed in Acapella. What's that like in Bhangra? Because when you say um, warriors and farmers, that suggests men to me. Is and, and so how does that play out in Bhangra in general and in the Bhangra group at Stanford? Absolutely. Um, so the way that it, it once was, was that Bhangra is mostly a male dance and then Gidda is the female version of that dance. Um, and so it's like, it's important to realize like in, in these cultures, it's it's a division of labor. It's not that one labor is more important. So like the fact that one is a farmer and one is someone who does something else, they're not any less important, right? But they have different ways of incorporating those things that they do daily into their ways of enjoying and whatnot, right? Um, and so Gidda is uh, the female dance, Punjabi dance that occurs. Um, but as we see it now, there is like dance doesn't know any boundaries just because I'm male does not mean I can't do Gidda. Just because I'm female does not mean I can't do Bhangra. Our current Bhangra team has, I think, more girls than guys. And every year when we get audition videos, we're like, wow, the girls are a lot better than the guys. <laughs> and so we see that happens every year. Um, and so we we have a, like when we go on stage, if we take 12 people, it's six and six of people that identify as male and people sorry uh as men and people identify as uh women and then when we take 16 it's eight and eight so uh gen generally we can yeah. sometimes do nine and seven we can do ten and whatever it is right but generally it's a pretty equal split of people Got it. thank you so much for clarifying that um you um josh talk about kind of talking about south asian culture um, Anusha, I wonder if you can speak a little bit about how um, Nupur engages with the broader Stanford community to raise awareness about South Asian culture. I mean, you have a lot going on with these quote unquote classical dances, and those are already mm -hmm. uh, problematic term terms. Their history, they all have their own very complicated history. So how do you kind of answer questions and how do you how do you kind of promote yourself? Yeah, I'm happy to answer that question. So I think um, because Nupur is diverse in itself, that we combine all these various classical dance forms. That is one way that we provide support to the Stanford community. So we throughout the year, we have people reaching out, being like, hey, I practice this form of dance. Like, is this a space for me? And to everyone, we say yes. Um, but the way we engage with the broader community is primarily through our performances on campus. So you'll see us in... Um, performances like Breaking Ground and ECC, which are um, for all the dance groups on campus, but also more South Asian focused events like um, Mok Shadi and Diwali we, are things we do every year. Um, so for the South Asian community, but also for the broader Stanford community, we're always performing. And even at Holi, we perform, which has been really fun. And these performances are different. So we prioritize different things. For example, when we're doing these like all campus performances, we're trying to um, 
I guess, incorporate American pop culture a little bit into it. So we're trying to work on like mixes of these music that we can adapt to classical dance forms. And it's been really cool navigating our identities along with all of this because so many members of our team are like American Indian. I'm originally from India, grew up there, just moved to the United States for college. But most of my teammates grew up in the United States, identify as American. And so um, for them, it's also navigating that identity, which I think is really cool. But we also do workshops sometimes. I know last year we did the Listen to the Silence conference hosted by the um, AQFC. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Having people from outside Stanford come in to engage with Indian classical dance. And what we spoke about was how people are using Indian classical dance as a form of activism, telling stories to motivate other people to act um, through Indian classical dance. So engage with the um, with the campus in so many different ways. Um, and it's it's been really exciting, I think, to see people who are so different from us um, engage with this art form and love it in the same way that we do. Are most of the uh, the students that um, come into um, Nupur um, of South Asian background, either from South Asia or through family, or do you get people from other identities as well? So yeah, most of the people we have on the team right now are South Asian. And I think that is because we require that you have some training in order to audition just because it's a a kind of art form that requires like several years of rigorous training to be at a point where you can perform um and usually what happens is that the people who get this training are all from that background um which is unfortunate but that is how the team can operate um but for workshops like the lts um conference we did we don't require any experience for that so um, for that, we had participants who were from various backgrounds, but the team itself, unfortunately, um, doesn't have a lot of diversity in that context. But even within South Asia, we have so much diversity. We have sure. people from various parts of India and also Sri Lanka. Um, so that's been really cool to talk about those things during practice and navigate these different styles of um, Indian classical dance and trying to reconcile them. Um, and I know we were talking earlier about like, the the like how many like male identif- um women identifying and men identifying mm-hmm. um performers we have so um an interesting thing is that like so while classical dance is something that both men and women do in South Asia um Nupur has been all female for several years but that's not like a straight through we've had I think one male performer like five years ago, but this was before my time. But mm-hmm. that is a rarity. And we we're all talking about how it'd be so nice to have some more diversity on that front. We just don't have anyone um, who's male that auditions for us, maybe because we don't have a lot of people who are male trained in this art form. So yes, that's an interesting thing. Akriti, can you talk a little bit about what ways you collaborate with other student organizations or communities on campus to foster like cultural exchange? Is that something that Rakapella does? Of course. So Rockapella isn't the only acapella group on campus that focuses on a cultural kind of background. Mm. We have O-Tone, which is like the East Asian acapella group, and Rockapella and O-Tone have collaborated in the past and had shows together. There's also Talisman, and there's many other acapella groups on campus that have this diverse, rich cultural background that drives the music that they create. And in the past, we've been able to collaborate with a few of these groups and 
via shows like Osho, which is like the very beginning acapella show of the year where all the new freshmen get to see the acapella teams perform together and other kind of cohesive performances that we have throughout the year. And I think it's super rewarding to kind of share our music, but then also see how diverse the world really is. And in terms of music specifically, how people can find joy in singing all kinds of music. Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's um, I'm learning so much about students, uh, student orgs on campus. This is uh, this is really great. Um, Josh, can you speak uh, to uh, maybe a particular impactful experience or moment that stand out in the, the history of your group's activities? You already uh, referred to the farmers protest, obviously massive uh, and anything similar. Or do you want to say a little bit more about that time? I'm not sure if there's specific moments, I think we need to start thinking about that a little bit more and implementing that a little bit more. Um, we do, of course, dance at all of the major on-campus performances. We take gigs at many different places. Um, and we also have open practice that happens many times a year. Uh, and of course, the the friends of the, the team and all those different things. But um, it's actually something that like two of my friends and I were having a conversation about last night was like, how do we bring that culture and make it more central? Because mm -hmm. we have this big emphasis on culture in the team, and like, like, absolutely love it. For example, last last quarter when uh, someone who plays the dole or dolly came to our team and like answered a lot of different questions about beats of Bhangra and how like Bhangra actually came together, right? Like how it was different segments and then they put it together and they were like, okay, here's a set. Like here's an eight minute set. How did it come from like live of singing to now all of it is not all of it. Sorry, a lot of it is. Like, oh, let's mix these different songs together like that, right? Um, and so we, we, we're we thinking a lot about how we can bring that culture to the team and a lot about bringing that culture to a broader community. It's 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 hard. It's, it's hard to think about how we can educate through that dance. Um, but we, we do think about it a lot more. That's great. Well, um something to think about and i appreciate that you are thinking about it because i think these these cultural groups uh, you you play an important role like in cultural outreach and and um you know promoting inclusive environments and the kinds of things that we're supposed to be thinking about and that are important for campus so um, i'm glad you're i'm glad you're doing that that it's on your radar um and speaking of uh, inclusive and diverse environments we we know that stanford like uh, like any kind of elite college campus is not always the most diverse it's not always the most friendly to people from immigrant backgrounds other backgrounds um, that are not kind of majoritarian so how do you feel this is a question to, to all of you and you can answer you know you can jump in but how do you feel your organization contributes to um, creating an inclusive and diverse campus environment i think for newport what we try to do is to just provide a space a space for cultural expression through dance, no matter what form of Indian classical dance that is. Um, and right now our group is primarily Bharatanatyam and Kathak, which are from the south and the north of India respectively. So just um, being able to learn each other's styles has been really interesting mm -hmm. and include both those styles in our performances while highlighting their like, I guess, the best the things that they do best but also like bringing them together for certain moments of togetherness has been really interesting so we we try to encourage people who do any kind of Indian classical dance even if they're the only dancer on that team that does that style of dance 
um, to share with us what they know and we try to learn from them and more than anything just provide a space like I said for that cultural expression and storytelling through dance. And so that's very much within the group um, Akriti do you feel that you're reaching out a little bit more or do you feel it's it, it's really between you and the other a cappella groups or is there a more broader interest from the from the campus? Yeah, I think everyone in ROG is united by like a love for South Asian music. And I think that expands into our audience as well. Um, when we have like shows, say like a fall quarter show, winter quarter show, our audience isn't going to be majority South Asian. We have a lot of audience from different form, different back backgrounds, different ethnicities. And maybe they've heard like a Bollywood song that they really enjoyed listening to, or maybe they came across this Carnotic song that they like, and they come to our shows to kind of experience that music. And I think it's a little bit more palatable for people who even don't have that much experience with South Asian music, specifically because our music is fusion. We are taking the music from South Asia and we're combining it with music from other areas, from anything from like opera or like interstellar or like like American pop music. And that makes it a lot easier for other people who might not have experience with the South Asian music, as I mentioned before, to relate to our music and also learn about South Asian music when they're listening to us. I think within the group as well, a majority of our group is South Asian, but we do have people from different areas who have an interest in South Asian music, and that's why they ended up joining the group. We don't require that you have to be a South Asian trained because within music, there's so many different ways that you can like sing. You might be someone who like sings in the shower, or you might be someone who is classically trained, maybe like Josh for 11 years, or you might be someone who's Western classical who did choir and opera. And now they can all come together and sing in this one group together. And I think that's like the most special thing for me. Um, actually, yesterday we had solo auditions, which is basically we sing background and then one person will sing the solo for that song so we can pick for like the next performance who's be singing it and every single person that went up and sang sang the same notes and the same lyrics in a different way and I think that was really cool they all sounded great and it was just a testament to show how diverse even a group united by a South Asian music can be yeah fantastic and and so um and so typical of of Indian classical quote-unquote music that there is so much improvise improvisation or extemporization rather than doing the same thing over and over so I love that 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 even came out in the uh, uh in the audition uh Josh what about Bhangra I feel that Bhangra is so famous now everybody knows about Bhangra I'm sure nobody knows about Bhangra but everybody thinks they know about Bhangra so how do you feel that outreach piece works absolutely um I think there's multiple different facets of this. Uh, so I, I look at what's happening in our in our group and how are how are we dealing with things within our group, and then also like how is our group out facing, right? Like how does it face other people and things like that. So looking within our group, our group is actually only like where we have forty to forty five members. We only have like five to seven, five to eight Punjabi people on our team. On top of that, where we look at Desi and South Asia that number grows, but it's not all 40, right? I would say it's probably like on our competitive team, uh, it would, I would say it's about like 70% they see, 50 to 70, somewhere there. Um, and a lot of the people that joined our team are like, we've been dancing in other ways, or maybe we haven't, but this is something that we're just interested in. And this is something that we just care about learning because it looks so cool or, or we want to learn this because our friend is Punjabi or because we've learned about this or we've seen a movie or we something like yeah. that. Right? Um, and so like within our group, we 
are able to provide a space for Punjabi people to come and feel like they're, hey, this is my culture. This is the way that I want to engage with my culture on campus. I'm so far away from home. There's We're such a small minority on campus. How do we interact with people? Hey, this is a group for us. We can do that. But also people that um, have nothing to do with Bhangra or Punjabi culture before this and are just like, hey, I want to learn. Right? And so we have those, I think, a really cool community that's created that we can have both those people come and cohabit, like coexist in the same space yeah. uh, and learn so much from one or the other. But then we also look at like, where does Bhangra do their performances? Um, and we generally have this idea of like, unless it's logistically hard, we don't really say no to a performance. Um, we perform anywhere from weddings to on campus to, I think last year we performed at the big nursery school, um, which is pretty cool. <laughs> So uh, that like there's so many different <laughs> options and possibilities of what there is to perform and like who we show um, our craft, our, our culture, our dance to. Amazing. Um, there's no, it's, there's no exclusivity, we hope. And that's what we're trying to cultivate in this group. It's just that the only thing that we're exclusive about is that you must learn and understand where it comes from and respect the traditions and respect everything that exists. And once you respect this is yours, right? Like it's not bounded by ethnicity, where you come from, anything like that. It's just bounded by your thought process, your thinking. I love it. And Bangra is so joyful. So I'm glad you're having so many opportunities um, to perform. I just want to ask both you, um, Josh and Anusha mentioned competition. Uh, who do you compete against and who judges that? I find this mind boggling. Tell me a little bit what a competition looks like. Anusha, let's start with you. And Okay, um, we should have probably started with Josh because I know Bangar has been competing for years and they've okay, been very successful that. at it. But no, it's okay. I can <laughs> still go ahead. It's, it's our first time competing this year. So the way it works is that almost every college campus has um, an Indian classical dance group. So those are the teams that we're competing with. Um, so teams like Berkeley Natya and like um, a lot of dance teams are called Nadia, coincidentally. So those are the teams that we're competing with. And they have different competitions. I think they have like six or seven. And then you do those competitions and then like they, you build up the point system and then you make it to the huge like national origins championship. Um, and we're not doing that this year. We're only doing one competition. But if we did more than one, then that would be the path. And these are generally judged by like adults, not people on college dance teams. Um, like professionals who've been doing this for years are really good at it, who are well recognized in the field of dance. Um, and just for Indian classical dance, the way it works is that they're not exclusively for one style. For example, in our competition team, we only have six people, five Bharatanatyam and one Kathak dancer, and we're all competing in the same competition. So that's how it works. Um, and I think more than a competition, I think it really is an opportunity for us to push ourselves as dancers, as choreographers, and also to socialize with the other dance teams, learn what they're doing, um, and learn how to do what we do better. So this year, we're doing an Indian classical adaptation of a Disney movie. I don't think I'm allowed to reveal which one at this point, um, but I'm, I hope you guys will get to see our video when it's on YouTube. 
Yeah, um, I will ask you at the end to tell us where we can find out more about you so we can uh, we can all write down and put down our calendars. Um, it makes more sense for for classical dance because it's prescribed in some ways. There's ways to move and ways to um, use the beat and use your hands and face that are prescribed. But Bhangra competition, what are you what are you judged on, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can talk about what we're judged on and the competitions as a whole. Um, for every competition, we have different rubrics uh, and that those competitions uh, make sure that like what they want to come across is in those type of competitions. So we can have like more folk competitions where they really care about your execution, how well the whole team is hitting it together. So like, hey, who looks like uh, they are not hitting it the same way as everybody else? That's minus points, things like that. Then there's also overall impression. There's also Vardi, which is like what we wear. Like, okay, these Vardi, like, are they any malfunctions? Do we know how to do them correctly? Things like that. Um, and like respect for culture as well in those ways. So like if your bug comes off, you know how to deal with it, things like that. But it's really, there's overall choreography that we get judged on, um, formations and execution, I think are the three biggest categories that I think about. Um, and Bhangra, although uh, Bhangra is also an exact thing, right? Like the way we should be hitting things are all the same. Right. right? So different teams, for example, might have their arms at a 45 degree angle, whereas another team might have a 60 degree angle, as another team might have it locked, another team might have it like not locked, like at a 90 degree angle. There's so many different things, but the whole idea is cohesion, right? right. Like we look at like a team that is going out there and competing. Got it. I can talk a little bit more about competitions if you're interested. Otherwise, we can move on. I want to ask. Thank you. I want to ask Akriti because, of course, we know about uh, a cappella competitions because of, of because of the films. Uh, do you engage in competitions? Do other a cappella groups? Yeah, we actually do compete. We've been competing for a long time. I wow. think we've been competing um, since the circuit was created. So we've seen everything change. Um, competitions are really fun. I went to two of them last year. And something interesting about acapella competitions is we do have dance. We have choreo. Um, I'm really bad at dancing. I have like, I'm like really not graceful at all. That's why I stick to singing. But we do do some choreo. It's definitely not as intense as classical dance or bhangra, but it's pretty cool. So we have competed in the South Asian acapella like, circuit. Um, and there are teams from other colleges that will fly in, usually eight teams to a competition, and we just go and perform. Each set is around 10 minutes. So it's 10 minutes of dancing and singing at the same time. And everyone has their pieces memorized. We have soloists that'll come up at certain points of the songs. It'll be three to four songs per set. And it's very, very engaging. And listening to other teams has also been crazy. People are amazing and being able to be in the audience and seeing the whole performance live is a great experience as well. Well, we're going to find out uh, where people can come and watch you. But before I ask you about that, um, I want to ask you as a final question, if you can share any upcoming projects or initiatives uh, that your group is particularly excited about. This is the time to talk about this and then uh, feel free to go into uh, letting people know where we can find you both on social media and also um, in uh, actual performance. Uh, Anusha, I'll start with you. Okay, awesome. Um, for social media, you can check out our Instagram. It's called Stanford Noopur, spelled N-O-O-P-U-R. Um, we post some reels and videos of our performances. We also have a YouTube channel under the same name, Stanford Noopur. So those are some places where you can watch our performances. And what we have coming up is 
in a month we're competing in North Carolina. So that video will be up on our YouTube soon and you can find out um, <clears throat> which Disney movie it is that we did. Um, but we, we're also performing in a few weeks at Encounter Culture. And there'll be a lot of other dance groups there, I know, but we're performing the piece that we did um, for an artist in SF, Raja Kumari, in the fall. So we were sort of her background dancers for her SF show. And we're performing that same piece in Encanto Culture, bringing it to campus. So we're really excited for that. Um, and one last thing that I want to highlight is um, a little far away. It's our annual spring show. We put it on every year um, and it features vibrant performances from the team, a few solos, um, a variety of classical dance styles and samosas and mango lassi. So there'll be information about that on the Instagram and YouTube coming up. But those are the things that we're looking forward to right now. You had me at Mango Lassie. That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, and we will encourage people to join. Um, Akriti, tell us where we can find out more about Ragapella and where we can hear you perform. Of course. Uh, Stanford Ragapella is actually going on a tour to India in March during spring break. What? Which is crazy. It's the first time that we've done something like this. In 2008, 2007, we did go on spring shows. and But I don't think anything this large scale has happened for a long time. Um, we'll be going to Delhi and Mumbai, and you can find some information about what specific times we're going to be there and what we'll be performing on the Instagram. The Instagram is Stanford Ragapella, and Ragapella is spelled R-A-A-G-A-P-E-L-L-A, -A -A -E -L -L -A, and our website is also linked there. We also have a spring show that'll be coming up, and information will also be on Instagram about that. There's a lot of good stuff uh, in spring. We have uh, we have some alumni in Delhi and Mumbai that I know listen to the podcast. So I really hope that they'll be able to make it to to your performances. Uh, and we're going to link to the social media in the show notes if uh, if you didn't catch it listening to the podcast. Um, Josh, you're, uh, Josh is about to join the Ragapella group. I saw that you were very excited about the prospect of traveling to India. Uh, what have you got coming up and where can we find out more about the Bangra team? Yeah, absolutely. So we have uh, three competitions coming up, actually, uh, in the in the winter quarter, and then one coming up in spring. Mm -hmm. um, and so next weekend, we're actually going to Virginia um, to compete, and then we'll be going to Riverside, and then we'll also be going to Maryland. Um, and then in the spring, we'll be going down to Santa Barbara. Uh, and so that's our four competitions that are coming up. Uh, on Instagram, you can find us at Stanford Pungra. So Stanford is Stanford and then B-H-A-N-G-R-A. Uh, and then our email is Stanford Pungra 11. So Stanford Pungra and then 1-1 at gmail.com. Um, okay. We check out our email quite a bit. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of upcoming performances as well. I think we're performing tomorrow at 9 p.m. I don't remember the details of that specifically, but uh, we have... That will be long gone by the time this drops, so that would have <laughs> been at least a week ago. Um, I, I, You are absolutely amazing. I mean, we know that Stanford students um, do a lot. That's that's how they get into... That's how you get into Stanford. So, But I'm always absolutely blown away when I meet students and find out a little deeper what exactly it is that you do so much with so much enthusiasm and um, and you made time to talk to me on a Friday afternoon. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you, Josh, uh, Anusha, and Akriti. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. This is so cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. And apologies for any uh, errors that made. <laughs> yeah, we might have the odd history. We'll we'll get we'll get the emails. Don't you worry. <laughs> That'll happen. Uh, as always, a big thanks to Soham Shiva for creating the intro and outro to the podcast and Manar Flevil Kaniyar for post-production.
Thank you for listening to the SASPod, the South Asian Studies at Stanford podcast. Find out all about the Stanford Center for South Asia at southasia.stanford.edu and find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you can tune in again soon.